You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. provide for you this day and then we go back to them and ask them to uh, respond and, and provide for the next day and they'll do that and we just continue it and actually in this whole process it just simply keeps us close to the to the Lord I mean God could have provided for him months in advance it would have been nothing for God to do that but it's usually one day at a time always remember that take, please take that into account you know don't don't get ahead of the Lord Luckily for us, we have a Savior who cares about our daily lives. He cares about our needs, our frustrations, our fears. You can count on Him to have your back. Often, though, as Pastor Mike reminds us today, Jesus shows us His plans one step at a time. Stick with Him, even during the rough patches of your life. Jesus is there. It doesn't mean He won't walk you through hard things. It just means that you have to have Him to lean on in all circumstances. Be patient and wait on the Lord. He has a great plan for you. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 15 as he begins his message, Handling Life's Difficulties. This is uh, the Making of a Man of God series, so why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles. Two weeks ago, we went through 2 Samuel chapter 15, at least part of that chapter, and so we're going to uh, complete the study of that chapter and also move into chapter 16. The title is Handling Life's Difficulties, and so we're going to continue along that theme, and that's the theme that we've been talking about the last couple of uh, weeks together. We want to begin by reading verse 30 of 2 Samuel chapter 15. And let's read that first verse there in verse 30. And this is where we left off last time. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up. And he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up weeping as they went up. So let's back up a little bit. David and the members of his family and his loyal friends and bodyguards are now fleeing the city of Jerusalem. There's 600 in all that are a part of David's uh, party. They're seeking to avoid any contact with Absalom, who is one of David's sons, who is marching on the city, the city of Jerusalem, to take the crown and kill his father, David. Could you imagine that? Your son seeking to kill uh, you and take the crown to become king.
king in his father David's place. So David here in verse 30, according to our text, has taken the path that leads to the summit of the Mount of Olives. He is barefoot, his head is covered, which, by the way, are signs of humility and contrition. He's weeping as he climbs to the top of the hill. He is concerned about the safety of those that are with him, that 600 that were part of his party. Now, halfway up the hill, let's go on now in our text, verse 31, the first part of verse 31 we read. Then someone told David as he's ascending the Mount of Olives, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. So this fellow that we've already been introduced to in one of our previous studies, Ahithophel, uh, has joined in league with David's son, Absalom. And when we were first introduced to Ahithophel, we were told that he was one of David's sure, sound counselor and friend uh, here in chapter 15 and verse uh, 12. But now, He is among the conspirators that are looking to unseat David as a king. In fact, as it relates to this particular experience, uh, David refers to this event in the 55th Psalm in verses 12 through 14. So I'm going to ask you to quickly turn there with me, if you would. And as you know, and as I always remind you, uh, many of the Psalms that were written by David as well as some of the other uh, men who wrote the book of Psalms, like, for example, Moses and Asaph, the chief musician, were written out of their own personal experiences. And such is the case here in the 55th Psalm, verses 12 through 14. And, you know, as we read this, we, we learn something about the things that were going on in the heart and mind of David at this particular uh, moment in time. So in the 55th Psalm, Beginning in verse 12, as it relates to this news that had been brought back to David about his friend and counsel, uh, counselor, Ahithophel, we read uh, in verse 12, For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it, nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him. But it was you, Ahithophel, a man my equal my companion, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. Let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Now let's go back to our text, the latter part of verse 31. There we also uh, read, And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Okay, so now David, after receiving this news about Ahithophel uh, as a traitor, a conspirator, throwing his hat in, if you will, with his son Absalom, I want you to notice this, and this is very significant, the latter part of verse 31, and this is one of the ways that we also should deal with life's disappointments. David immediately turns to the Lord. And how important it is that in times of trouble, in our own struggles and difficulties, we immediately turn to the Lord. You know, for many people, it's the last resort. You know, we try to wiggle or work our way out of those problems. We turn to other people. But listen, the truth of the matter is only God has the juice, right, 
to get us out of those difficult situations. So this is significant, and I think that it would serve us well to do likewise. David immediately turns to the Lord and leaves this piece of devastating news with God. This was one of David's friends. It must have really vexed David. You know, I want you to think about one of your close friends, someone who uh, has served as being your counselor, and then all of a sudden you receive news that they've turned against you. Not only turned against you, but seeking to kill you. And so in those kinds of situations, always turn to the Lord as your first resort and not your last resort. Let him work things out. Let him turn things around. Remember what we are told in 1 Peter, in chapter 5, and verse 7, that we are to cast all of our care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Well, anyway, let's go back to our text now. Now, as David reaches the top of the hill, probably pausing for one last look over the city of Jerusalem, he's now accepting God's will. He begins his descent towards Baharim, and he is met by a visitor. Okay, let's go back to our text now in verse 32. The visitor, verse 32. Now, what happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshiped God, there was this fellow whose name was Hushai, the archite, coming to meet him with his robe torn and dust on his head. Okay, so this fellow Hushai, the archite, and although David is unaware of it, the Lord had heard his prayer and has sent this fellow Hushai as the answer. And, you know, as a cross-reference for this, and, you know, God always responds to the prayers of his people. But you know what? God knows the intentions of our hearts. He knows the feelings that we're feeling. He knows when we are distressed. And even before we can verbalize our feelings and our emotions and make our appeal unto God, we read in the prophet Isaiah in chapter 65 and verse 24, and what a precious promise this is, it shall come to pass that before they call, before we even pray, before we even articulate the things that are going on that vex us, what are we told? God will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. What a precious promise that is. And so, notice, let's go back to our text. Uh, his robe, this fellow Hushai, his robe is torn. He has dust on his head, which reveals his grief as well because of what has happened to uh, David. Let's pick up in verse 33 through 37. Now, David said to him, this fellow Hushai, if you go on with me, then you will become a burden to me. But if you return to the city, Jerusalem, and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king. So this fellow Hushai wanted to join forces with David and flee along with him with this company of 600. But David uh, is thinking otherwise, and he has a particular plan for this fellow uh, Hushai. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, but of course, this wouldn't have been the case, O king, as I was your father's servant previously, so I will now also be your servant, then you may defeat the counsel of Ahithophel for me. 
And do you not have Zadok and Abiathar the priests with you there? Remember, uh, David had also, also sent them back into the city of Jerusalem as well. Remember, uh, they had met uh, David at the gate of the city and with the Ark of the Covenant, and they wanted to follow David in his exile. Uh, but David forbade that and encouraged them to go back with the Ark back into the city of uh, Jerusalem. Therefore, it will be that whatever you hear from the king's house, that is Absalom, you shall tell to Zadok, and Abathar, the priests. Indeed, they have there with them their two uh, sons, Ahimaz, Zadak's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son, and by them you shall send me everything you uh, hear. And so Hushai, David's friend, went back into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. So what's going on here? Well, I want you to think about it. Now, because of this fellow following David's instructions to go back to the city of Jerusalem and to pledge his loyalty to his son Absalom, David now has an insider, sort of acting as a spy for David, so that David would be brought up to speed with all of Absalom's intentions. So now this fellow serves as David's insiders or spy of what was taking place there uh, with Absalom in the city of Jerusalem. Now, David and the company that is with him have other needs as well. Remember now, these were some, at least a greater part of those that followed David into exile were fighting men, and thus they needed food and water to keep up their strength. Well, let's move on now into the next chapter, chapter 16 and verse 1. And there we discover... And again, I want, you to, I want to remind you about David's prayer and how that God, even before David was able to articulate his particular need in distress, God heard that prayer and God responded. Chapter 16 and verse 1. Now, when David was a little past the top of the mountain, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth. Uh, by the way, Mephibosheth was the son of David's close and good friend, Jonathan. And remember, uh, Jonathan had entered into a league with David that when uh, David replaced his father, Saul, as king over Israel, he asked David to remember his family and not to take vengeance out upon them. And so David entered into this covenant with uh, Jonathan. And one of his surviving sons, this fellow's name was Mephibosheth. Remember, David sent for him and provided for his needs. He, he set a place for Mephibosheth at David's table when he ascended to the throne in Saul's place. And then he appointed this fellow Ziba as one who was to work the land that David had given to Mephibosheth that previously had belonged to King Saul. So anyway, let's read verse 1 again. When David was a little past the top of the mountain, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddled donkeys, and on them 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits, and a skin of wine. Now remember, I already mentioned that these fighting men that accompanied David as bodyguards needed food and water 
to keep up their strength? Well, here's the answer. Verse 1, everything that's recorded uh, there. This fellow Ziba, motivated, I'm sure, by God, provides everything that was necessary. Okay, so upon seeing Ziba, David asked this question in verse 2. And the king said to Ziba, what do you mean to do with these? That is, the donkeys and all the food and the wine and, you know, all of the supplies. The king said to Ziba, what do you mean to do with these? So Ziba said, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, his immediate, members of his immediate family, his wives, his children, the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine for those who faint in the wilderness uh, to uh, drink. So, Therefore, this was sufficient food to see them through the first day. And notice I said the first day. Because, you know, God has a tendency to supply one day at a time. Have you ever noticed that? You know, as we continue to walk with the Lord, you know, he provides what is necessary, sufficient for that day. And and many times the reason why is so that we'll continue to go back to him Uh, to completely rely upon him. He'll provide for you this day, and then we go back to him and ask him to uh, respond and and provide for the next day, and he'll do that, and we just continue. And and actually, in this whole process, it just simply keeps us close to the the Lord. I mean, God could have provided for him months in advance. It would have been nothing for God to do that. But it's usually one day at a time. Always remember that. Please take that into account. You know, don't, don't get ahead of the Lord. When you're in need, when you're in trouble, one day at a time. Just take it one day at a time. You can be sure God is faithful to provide for you one day at a uh, time. And such was the case uh, before us here. Well, anyway, so that was the first question that David asked. Now, the second question that David asked had to do with Mephibosheth, Saul's only surviving grandson, also the son of his friend, Jonathan, whom he had entered into a covenant with, whom David had favor upon, remember back in chapter uh, 9 of 2 Samuel. So verse 3, notice the way Ziba responded. Then the king said, And where is your master's son, Mephibosheth? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is staying in Jerusalem, for he said, Today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. Now, as I've already mentioned, Ziba and his sons were to work the land that had been given to Mephibosheth by David. But this fellow Ziba, you know, I think that he actually had ulterior uh, motives here. And I don't know about this guy. Uh, He may have been an opportunist. Notice he doesn't offer to follow David into exile, as the others did. So, you know, I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination to think that he did have an ulterior motive. In fact, you know, he's suggesting here that Mephibosheth was betraying David as well. He's thinking that now that David has been forced out of Jerusalem, and, uh, you know, he, he suggests that Mephibosheth Uh, is thinking that he is going to be the next king over uh, Israel. So, uh, but in fact, according to chapter 19, verses 24 through 27, Mephibosheth was in mourning since the day David fled Jerusalem. So 
So he didn't have any intentions to become the next king over Israel. In fact, it broke Mephibosheth's heart because of what was happening to David with his son Absalom's betrayal of him, seeking to uh, kill him. And he speaks of Ziba slandering him. So I think Ziba is actually lying concerning uh, Mephibosheth's intentions. But anyway, David is so grateful for the food and the resources that were provided for him that he receives Ziba's word at face value. Because notice there in verse 4, he actually uh, rewards Ziba for his actions. So the king said to Ziba, verse 4, Here all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. So I guess he bought into the idea that Mephibosheth was betraying him as well. And Ziba said, I humbly bow before you that I may found favor in your sight, my lord, O king. So that might have been Ziba's intentions all along. Because notice, all that David had given Mephibosheth, now in turn David gives to uh, Ziba, right? Okay, and then the procession moves along once again. What is very important here to take note of is that the Lord provided food and refreshment even before David asked for it. Do you see that? And listen, what God did for David, he will also do for you and for me. Well, anyway, finally, they reach Bahiram. It's David's plan to rest the women and children for a while in this little town when all of a sudden David encounters a hostile descendant of the house of Saul, someone who is, continues to be loyal to Saul. Okay, let's pick up now chapter 16, verses 5 through uh, 8. Now when King David came to Beharim, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, coming from there, and he came out cursing continuously as he came. And he threw stones at David, you know, to make matters worse for David. poor David here, right? He's seeking to, you know, find some comfort and some peace, and all of a sudden, this guy appears upon the scene cursing and throwing stones at David and his uh, party. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul. This was the indictment that he brings against David in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. In other words, what he's suggesting here is, listen, David, you're just getting your just deserves here. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. Then Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, who should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Please let me go over and take off his uh, head. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. We're so glad you joined us today for In My Father's House. Pastor Mike has been taking you through the book of 2 Samuel, an Old Testament book that continues the story of David. David was a great king, loved by many, and forever etched in history as a man after God's heart. Yet, he wasn't perfect. God used David in powerful ways, even after he had failed. 
And God can use you, too. Are you still seeking the Lord? Are you repentant when you fall? God sees your heart, and He's merciful, and He has great plans for you. Continue to trust in His goodness and faithfulness, and let Him use you to bring glory to His name and share the good news of the hope that's found in Christ. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit HarvestNYC.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. There's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Find out more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Make plans to join us on Thursdays, too. We're meeting virtually to jump back into the Word midweek and worship the Lord. That starts at 7.30 p.m. online at harvestnyc.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us again for more right here on In My Father's House.